Hey, I wanted to take a second and uh, introduce uh, Brennan to us today, and uh, y'all are in for a great treat. Brennan has been a uh, uh, one of my closest friends since we moved back. He came to our launch day at Centerpoint uh, way back when. Some of y'all are the OGs. Come on, if you're a Centerpoint person, raise your hand. Come on, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. You got jewels in your crown in heaven right there. I love it. Uh, but when, when, uh, when he came to the very first service, I did not know him at all. And he came up or maybe texted me, I can't remember. But he said, hey, we have some mutual friends. And our friendship started then. And since then, we have had the opportunity of walking through life together. And uh, one thing that I love about Brennan is that he's loyal. He's an encourager. He's a faith builder. And uh, there have been times where I've had a low week and I'll go to, I'll say something to Brennan. I'm like, dude, it was tough this week. Here's why. And he's always there to build faith. He's always there to encourage. Um, And dude, you have meant the world to me and Stephanie. And uh, I wouldn't want to do this without you. One of the cool things about this is that he serves at a church literally around the corner from here. Uh, He's a student pastor pastor at Indian Lake Peninsula Church. So if you've driven to the peninsulas before, you pass his church all the time. That's where he serves. Uh, and he's been there for a couple of years. And uh, I've had the chance of serving there a few times and uh, love that church. And I love uh, that we get to be friends with other pastors. There's not, there's not any competition. We cheer each other on and we help each other all the time. I mean, we leave a lot of our gear at his church that he can use and that we don't use and that kind of stuff. And I love that. Uh, but I, I honor you today and I thank you for being here. Uh, one thing about Brennan is this, is that December uh, 2021, right? Like, right, 2021, this last December, that was 21, right? Okay, okay. What year is it? I have no idea. Um, his family just consisted of him and his wife, Corinne. He calls her Corey. Uh, and that's all they had. And then on December 21st, they had the opportunity to take in three foster kids. What are their ages? three, five, and seven. Right before Christmas, my man went from two people in his family to five with three kids. Come on. And uh, they're prayerfully, I mean, they're doing a great job being parents to them and they're hoping to adopt them at some point. And it has been a really, I mean, he's got gray sprout now on the top of his head a little bit because he's got some kids. So, uh, but what I wanted us to do is I want us to give Brennan an Oasis welcome. Come on, y'all give him a hand. Come on up, dude. Love you, man. Well, good morning, Oasis Church. How are we doing? Good. Doing good, doing good. Hey, I want to say this before I, you know, give you anything about Jesus. Uh, Clint and I didn't talk about this, so don't think this is like a, you know, one-two punch to start the service. But I did want to take the time to talk about how amazing your pastors are. Because I think sometimes when you show up, especially those of you that load in, load out, serve all the time, maybe you come here every single week and you're just like, this is my church, but... I think sometimes we can become really used to the experience that we have, that we forget how amazing your leaders are. And I can't tell you how many times um, over the last two years, Clint has been uh, the person that's been able to build my faith when I didn't feel like anybody else could. Uh, You probably know this about him, but when he talks about praying for people, uh, sowing joy into people, building faith in the people. He's able to talk about that with total integrity because he does that for me. Steph, you do the same for me. And I just want to say, I told the team before this that I don't have enough faith to be a church planner. So this is my opportunity to live vicariously through them. But they are two of the most faithful, uh, believing, hardworking people I've ever encountered in my life. Some of you know the Oasis story. Some of you are new to it. But they, 
felt the call of God to come here and plant a life-giving church, you know, year before COVID hit. They made the decision to say yes to God weeks before COVID hit, move here. They get here, they're ready, they're trained, they're ready to take on the city, and then COVID hits just a few weeks after they get here. But I think so much of the reason that I honor you guys today, so much of the reason I look up to you too, is because when the entire world was scrambled, you still were willing to say yes to God. You believed so much in this community. You believed so much in these people. Every single person that's in here, you saw them before you could see them and your yes was still on the table. So Oasis Church, like you've never done it before, I want you to honor your pastors, Clint and Stephanie. You guys are my heroes. You really are. Uh, like you said, you know, my family changed dramatically, uh, really quickly. Uh, but I got the opportunity um, if you haven't gotten the chance to meet me, uh, I got to pre preach one time at the Centerpoint days. And uh, to be honest, uh, after Clint and Stephanie were out of town and I gave it everything I had and, you know, there was weeks that went by and I began to wonder to myself, maybe, maybe it just wasn't that good and that's why he'll never ask me back. And, and I, got, I, was, I was like, you know, I'm just going to pray for him. I believe that God's going to send another messenger to fill the gap for him. But so when he texted me this week, he's like, hey, will you preach? I was like, Lord, I didn't mess it up. <laughs> I, my yes is on the table. So I'm excited to be here today because I believe in this church so much. But like you said, my life changed dramatically um, just six months ago when I got to be a parent for the very first time. My wife, Corey, sends her love to you today. Um, but I shared with her that I was going to get to preach this Sunday. And she was like, well, I'm not going to be there. And I was like, really, why? Well, why, why are you not going to be there? She's like, well, I believe in you. I'm praying for you. I believe God's going to use you, but I'm going to build our church today. I'm going to serve in our kids ministry today because I got a generation to reach. I'm kidding. She didn't say any of that. She didn't say that. She said, well, babe, I'm sorry. I love you, but I already accepted on planning center. I, I got, I got to be in kids ministry today. All the kids ministry people said, amen to that. She, uh, yeah, they're, they're holding your kids. Um, but she was like, you know, tell everybody that I love them and I believe in them. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I'm excited for it today. Uh, I may preach 30 uh, minutes. I may preach three hours. I'm not really sure. Um, if, I, if I get to 12 o'clock, we'll take a break, intermission, get some coffee, watch the UT baseball game, and then we'll come back for the invitation. Um, but I have one goal today, and, and it's simple. Uh, like Clint said, I just want to build your faith today. Wherever you are in the faith spectrum today, maybe you have a lot of faith, maybe you're filled up with faith today, maybe you're in here and you're like, Brennan, I am. Sunday is like the oxygen mask for me. I just come in here every single Sunday, spent entire, and then I'm, I'm ready to take on my Monday. I'm living on reserves. And my goal this morning is to just build your faith. I believe that's what Jesus wants us to take from the passage today. So I'm gonna read from John chapter 10. 11 verses. John chapter 10 will be on the screens. I'll get out of the way so you can see it and I'll read from the screens. John chapter 10. This is what he said. This is Jesus speaking, okay? He says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. 
Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them, which is a common occurrence in the Bible, by the way. A lot of people didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. He spoke some crazy things, but we're going to get to it. Then he said, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, would you speak to us today in a way that only you can? We believe you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. I, um, I want to preach this morning from this title, One Way Only. One Way Only. If you have notes, write it down. I, I, believe, I believe if you take good notes in church, you're going to get uh, just an expedited pass to the front of the line in heaven. God's just going to say, show me your notes. You're going to be in the front line and it's going to be great. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding, but I tell, as a youth pastor, I tell them all the time, you ain't going to remember it unless you write it down. So one way only is the title of the message today. And I've just got a question for all of us in the room today. How many of you would say that you are a little directionally challenged? Like when it comes to navigation, you need some help. Like you're going to put home into your, into your phone after you, when you get done with service. Some direction challenge people. How many of you are like me and would say that you believe you have the Holy Ghost spiritual anointing of navigation resting on your life? Anybody? There's only four of us? Okay, the four of us, we will understand what I'm talking about today. But I really do believe that's me. I believe I'm gifted in navigation. I remember being a young boy and sitting in the passenger seat uh, as my mom drove and opening up what felt like the blueprint to the universe, which was really just a map of Interstate 65, but it felt like massive. And I loved being able to figure out where we got on, where we got off. And you know, when maps like ceased to become a thing, it was, it was MapQuest. I remember being the person that was like, mom, can I print off the MapQuest instructions? And she would let me do it. And I'd sit in the passenger seat and I would tell her, you know, how far we had. I loved being the one that got to navigate us. And I think it's that like early exposure to navigation that led me to believe that I'm so gifted in navigation anytime, all the time. Corey, my wife will get mad at me all the time because she was like, you know, we can get to where we want to go 10 minutes faster if you would just put it in your phone instead of trying to figure out how to get there on your own. But I'm willing to take the 10 minute risk. It feels like, it feels like an adventure for me. But I remember when we, we moved to South Florida a couple years after we got married, serving in a church down there, and uh, we moved to a city called St. Petersburg. Um, who's been to Tampa before? Any, any Tampa? Anybody been to St. Petersburg? Come on now. They used to call it God's waiting room, which is, which is really sad. Um, but now it's, you know, got this resurgence that's great. But we lived in St. Petersburg uh, for a couple of years. And so what you need to know about St. Petersburg, those of you that have been there, you know this. St. Petersburg is what's known as a gridlock city. So if you're from New York or Chicago, one of these major metropolitan areas, you understand what that means. But it made it really easy to find where you were wanting to go because you'd be like, oh, I'm trying to get to so-and-so. 
And somebody would say, oh, you, it's on the corner of 6th and 24th. Like, it's just super easy. You just follow the numbers and then follow the numbers. It was great. So we moved there, and I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Not only am I gifted in navigation, but now I have what feels like a cheat code because I just got to follow the numbers. So I remember my first day of work. I leave the house, and I'm, I'm headed to the office, um, and I hang a right, and I notice uh, the first few cars that passed me kind of stopped, and it was like strange, like they were looking at me like, like I had offended them in some way as they passed me by, and I was like, that's odd. I know I got Tennessee plates, but you know, it's kind of a strange encounter. And I go about two blocks further down the road and a cop pulls out behind me and pulls me over. And I'm like, great, I've been here 48 hours. I'm already pulled over. I think my tags were expired at that time because I didn't have no money to like get them fixed. And so I'm like, this is amazing. I'm already pulled over. So the cop gets out of his car and he walks up to my window and he says, sir, are you okay this morning? And I thought to myself, well, I was until you pulled me over. I'm great, I'm great. And he said, Sir, you're going the wrong way. And I said, I said, no, officer, I know I got Tennessee plates, but I actually live here now. And, and I work downtown. I can see the skyline. That's where I'm going. I know where I'm trying to get to. And he said, not on this road, you're not. I said, what do you mean? He said, sir, you are driving the wrong way on a one way. <laughs> this is a one way street. Don't matter how much you want to get downtown, you ain't going to get there on this road. He said, you're driving the wrong way. This is a one-way only road. And I think about that story because I love the way Jesus sets up John chapter 10 because he makes it really clear, really easy, really obvious of what it looks like to follow him. He said, there's only one way. There's a one-way only street. And the exclusivity of Jesus' teaching in John chapter 10 doesn't like bring me anxiety actually brings me solace. It brings me a great level of encouragement because I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a simple person. Like I like clear, easy instructions to follow because I've lived just long enough to understand that when I don't have clear, easy, simple instructions to follow, especially when it comes to my spiritual life, come on somebody, I'm gonna wreck my life real fast. Like if three kids has taught me anything, it's dude, you are a sinner. And, and you need help. So I love how simple Jesus makes this illustration for us of what it looks like to be the only way, one way only. And he does a familiar trick of the trade. If you read the Gospels, uh, he does a familiar trick of the trade in John chapter 10 by helping illustrate a kingdom principle, something that they can't see yet in terms that they would understand. They would understand sheep. They would understand shepherds. They would understand doors. They would understand gates. They would understand this at this time. And so what he's doing is using something they understand to illustrate a deeper kingdom principle. And he sets up this contrast between doors, shepherds, and thieves. Doors, shepherds, and thieves. This is the scenario he's setting up for these religious leaders, okay? Now, for those of us, how many of you uh, have ever uh, had the occupation of being a shepherd before? Okay, I didn't think we'd have any hands in the room. Um, so the idea of being a shepherd and leading sheep could be a little foreign to us today because we don't really have shepherds in 2022 in America. But this wouldn't have been lost on the culture or the context in which he's speaking 
because they would have understood what it meant to be a shepherd. And they would have understood what this whole idea of doorkeeping and gatekeeping would have meant because at this time in history, shepherds uh, were known for leading sheep to sheepfolds of two primary different kinds, okay? So here's, here's the dynamic I want to set up for us. There was two primary sheepfolds at the time in which Jesus is speaking. You had what was known as the common sheepfold, and you had a sheepfold that would have been outside of the city limits. Okay, a common sheepfold would have been in a city center in a metroplex area of the time, and a, and a, and a other sheepfold would have been outside of the city limits. So here's what would have happened. Uh, here's why common sheepfolds were used. Shepherds would come into town, whether it was for business or to stay the night. And in order to make sure that their sheep were well taken care of, they would check them in or leave them at what was known as a common sheepfold. So they would go up to the doorkeeper. Doorkeeper would let the sheep in. Shepherd would leave the sheep in there. But their sheep would be mixed in with other shepherd's sheep. Say that three times. They were, they were, it, was, it was just a bunch of different sheep all in the same sheepfold that they would leave together called a common sheepfold. Now you may be wondering, Brennan, how did they know whose sheep were who and how did they make sure no, none of their sheep got lost? What would happen is the next morning when a shepherd would leave, he would go up to the door and give his very distinct shepherd's call. Like, I, I don't know what that call was. Most, most historians think it was a call. It wasn't like, hey, it wasn't like something simple. I don't know what it was, but each shepherd had a distinct call. And what would happen is when the shepherd would make that call, the sheep would come and follow him. They only responded to their shepherd's call because they only knew their shepherd's voice. And they didn't have to worry about taking other shepherd's sheep because the other sheep didn't know the voice or the call of that shepherd. So it was actually very easy. They'd go up to the gate, make the call, and the sheep would follow, and he'd lead them out to wherever it is that they were going. So that's kind of the picture Jesus is setting up for uh, these listeners. Now, this illustration gains a whole other layer, a whole other dynamic when you take into consideration what a sheepfold outside of the city would have been like. So these sheepfolds were like if a shepherd couldn't get to a city in time, but he needed to stay the night, they would have these sheepfolds outside of the city. And a lot of times the infrastructure wasn't as good as it was inside the city. So the rock, they'd have rock walls instead of pens. It would be kind of, you know, dilapidated and stuff. But a lot of times these sheepfolds, wouldn't even have doors. There would be no gate. There would just be an opening. And so what the shepherd would do to ensure the safety of the sheep is he wouldn't go, you know, check in an Airbnb and just hope his sheep, you know, figured it out. The shepherd would lay down across the opening and serve as the door. In other words, anything or enemy or person that sought to rob the sheep, hurt the sheep, harm the sheep, had to literally go through the shepherd in order to get there. And the sheep couldn't get out unless they went through the shepherd. You see the dynamic here. Jesus is saying, not only am I the shepherd, but I am the door. I'm the door. In other words, you can't get access to the sheepfold unless you come through me. 
You can't find pasture land. You can't find rest. You can't find peace. You can't find joy unless you come through me. There is no other thing in this world, whether it be politics, whether it be a bad relationship, whether it be anxiety, nothing in this world can get to you unless it comes through me. And because I'm a good shepherd, I don't let any of those things in because I'm a shepherd and I take care of my flock. That's the significance he's letting them know. Not only am I the door for, this, for these sheep, but I'm the only way into what he says is salvation. I am the door. And I think herein lies one of the major discipleship issues of the average believer today. You ready for it? Here it is. We want access to everything that God promises. Safety, pasture land, rest, provision, space in this sheepfold. We want access to that. But many of us are not willing to go through the only door. We're looking for other ways in. We're going up to the door of good works and saying, maybe if I do enough, serve enough, tithe enough, then I'll get in. We're going up to the, the door of, uh, of good deeds and say, maybe if I'm just good enough of a person, if my, if my goods outweigh my bads, maybe that'll give me access into what God has for me. We're going up to the door, maybe manifesting in self-help books. And I love John Maxwell, but Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the only one that's going to give you the life that your soul in its deepest place longs to have. He's saying, I am the door. But we will render that statement null and void if we live our life looking for other doors into the sheepfold. Doors, shepherds, and thieves. Now, after he moves from the door, he goes to setting up this contrast between shepherds and thieves, right? He says this, he says, a thief seeks only to steal, kill, and destroy, and you will know a thief and you will know a robber by what? By it trying to get into the fold by other means than the door. In other words, it's trying to hop the fence. And you can define a thief like this. A thief is anything that works contrary to, against the leading and the voice of the shepherd, who is Jesus. Okay, that is what a thief is. And, and, there, and there's many thieves in 2022, but you just need to know before we go any further that a thief is anything. It could be demonic. It could just be something of culture. You know, I'm not one of those people that believes that the devil's behind every bush and that the flat tire you got on the way here is the working of the enemy. Sometimes you just didn't put enough air in your tire. But, but a thief, as Jesus defines it, is anything that seeks to circumvent the natural progression of what it is that he's trying to do. And uh, here's what I love about digging into the Bible. Okay, you ready for it? The word used here for thief and robber are two different words, obviously. Thank you, Brennan, very much. I know how to read. But the word used for thief here actually suggests cunning, sneaky, discreet. The word used for robber is actually more chaotic. It's more like, you know, you're going to know it's there, it's sloppy. So here's the picture. A thief or a robber, if he's trying to take something from you, he's going to kick the front door down, come in there, guns blazing, and trying to rob you. A thief is going to sneak in the window in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. 
So you may know when the robber's coming, but you may not know when the thief's coming because he's sly. Notice what Jesus says. He doesn't say the thief and the robber comes. Since the thief comes, or if you grew up in church and you only knew a KJV Bible, he said the thief cometh. <laughs> the thief cometh to steal and kill and destroy. And I love that Jesus says that because he doesn't say, you know, if the thief comes, here's probably what he's going to do. No, he says the thief comes. In other words, if you're a sheep, you better know you got a thief. If you're a sheep, you better know you got a thief. So it's not if he's going to come for your life. It's he's coming. So you just need to understand and know the shepherd's voice. And I think there's a lot of thieves in 2022. Can we be honest? Like there's a lot of things that are trying to steal, try to steal a lot of things from us. You know, I think, I think right now there's a thief of joy in our culture. Come on, you're on Twitter for 25 minutes and you got less joy than you had 20 minutes ago. The thief of joy is coming to take away the peace in your soul. There's, there's the thief of money that whispers to you if you just work hard enough and you make one more uh, promotion, if you make a little bit more money, if I'll just work 80 hours a week instead of 40, even if it's to the detriment of my family, if I just get there, then I'll have everything that I want. And that's the thief of money that's whispering to you something that is a lie. It's a thief that, that plagues us. There's the thief of busyness. Woo, if there ain't a bigger thief in our culture today, it's the thief of busyness that convinces us that, you know, we got to be involved with every single thing. And we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this. And, you know, we're not going to rest, but we're just, we're going to be involved with all these things, especially when you got kids into the mix. And it's like, oh, all of them got to play sports and they got to get the dance and they got to do this. And, you know, you do that for 15 years. And it's like, I've been doing this for 15 years. So now I can't back out now. Now my kids are teenagers. And you wonder when your kids graduate, you look at your spouse and you say, where did our marriage go? Where did our peace go? Where did the last 20 years go? Where did my, where did my, 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 my teenager's devotion to the Lord go. It's the thief of busyness. That is sly and sleek and cunning. And it could be living in your life right now, but you just don't know it's there. There's a thief of political power. I'm going to go there because I, I don't pastor this church. <laughs> I, I can't. But there's a thief of political power that wants to speak lies and spit venom into the lives of believers that are making us believe that it is possible for us to legislate a world that is, that is you know, can only happen in heaven. We live in a broken world, everybody. What did we expect when we see brokenness around us? It's the thief of political power that's hopping into the sheepfold, i.e. the church and saying, hey, Vote this way, say this, believe this, post this. It's a thief. It's a thief. And what happens when we let thieves live in our lives is we forget that our life can only be led by one voice. Only one voice. You know, I, my wife and I, we rent a house in, in Gallatin 
and I've told this story to our church before, but it's weird how much pride I'm taking in my yard of my rental house. Um, but, you know, I'm doing it. It's great. It's actually become one of my fun Saturday Sabbath things to, you know, get out in the yard. But we have these monkey grass plants that are kind of in the front of the house. And, you know, they look terrible, by the way. They're awful. Um, but my landlord's like, you know, they're freshly planted. Don't pull them out. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to get evicted. So I'll leave them there, but I'll, but I'll maintain them. And so, uh, early on in the spring, I got out there and start to like, you know, lightly pull the weeds. And so a few weeks later I get out there and I'm like, you know, these plants are planted at the same time, but these two are so much bigger. Like, like why is these two monkey grass clumps so much bigger than the others? I'm like, that's strange. I don't, I'm not a botanist. I don't know much about plants. So I'm like, oh, maybe it just, meh, I don't know, it happened. And so I go out there a couple weeks later. And it was like, you know, that time, y'all probably remember it like six weeks ago when there was like four straight days of like torrential downpours. And I go out there and I, and I swear to you, these, these weeds had grown like two feet through this monkey grass. I'm like, this is a scientific phenomenon. How did, how did this happen? So, so I pull the weeds out of the, out of the monkey grass Spent all day making my seven-year-old work like a slave out there. And so we're pulling this monkey grass out. And then so, so I go out a few weeks later, and I notice that the grass that I had pulled the monkey or the weeds out of was now the same height as the grass that, that when I started was like, oh, this must be accelerated grass. The monkey grass was all the same length. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm admiring it, and I'm thinking about it, and I... And I felt like the Lord spoke to me about this distinction. And, and I noticed that even though I couldn't see the weeds before the rain, the root system of the weeds was underneath the surface and the root system was choking out the weeds or the root system of the good grass. That's why the grass wasn't growing to the same size because the root system of the weeds that I couldn't see was choking the life out of the good grass. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me in that moment and said, Brennan, you better be very, very careful that you don't grow complacent and comfortable with weeds living in the same space as good grass, i.e. a thief cohabitating in your life and you just acting like maybe if I don't acknowledge that it's there, then it won't hurt me. See, if you have thieves living in your life, if you allow those things to take up residence in your life, do not be surprised, Oasis Church, when your spiritual life feels like it's having the life choked out of it. Don't be, don't be surprised when you feel like you can't grow, when you feel like your love for God is diminishing, when you feel like your commitment to serve is dwindling, when you feel like, Man, I am, I am so tired of showing up every single Sunday to load in. You know, they don't see me. This, this is terrible. I, I, why, why can't we just get a permanent facility? Why can't we just do, do these things? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you allow thieves to live in your life, how quickly your life, your spiritual life will become poisoned. So fast. And Jesus gives us the remedy. That's why I love his word so much is because he gives us the answer. In the same story, he gives us the warning. He said, there will be things that come into your life. 
There will be things that try to steal your allegiance. There will be things that try to convince you that there's another way. There will be things that try to convince you that there's another door. But do not lose heart. I am the door. I am the shepherd. And true sheep know my voice. They follow my voice. Some of us in here today, you want a simple next step? Get alone with God and say this simple prayer. Lord, remind me what the sound of your voice sounds like. Just open up your Bible, get in a quiet place, get your coffee, do whatever you need to do. Kick the kids outside. I don't care what you got to do. Do something. This could be radical for some of you. But something where you find a space and say, Lord, I need your voice in this season. Remind me of what it sounds like. Lord, speak to my situation. Lord, there's a lot of things in my life that are trying to steal my allegiance, but Lord, I'm a sheep and I want to know the voice of my shepherd. You know, sometimes you hear messages about sheep and shepherds and, you know, many preachers talk about, you know, that Jesus is the good shepherd and we're the sheep because we're stupid. <laughs> and like, like, like sheep are dumb. Because I don't know if you saw like videos on YouTube or TikTok before, but like there's like an actual video of a sheep getting pulled out of a ditch and like three people rescue it. It takes like three hops in freedom and goes right back in the ditch. Some of you are like, that is my life right now. But I actually love the fact that I'm a sheep. I actually love the fact that I don't have to lead my own life. I love the fact that I got a good shepherd that leads me, that guides me, that loves me, that protects me. And here's what I love the most about this shepherd. It's just like he says, there's one way only into salvation and one way only into my family and one way only into the sheep pen. Jesus, when he climbed up on a cross for you and for me, declared once and for all, as a believer in me, there's only one way only this ends. And it's in glory. And it's in victory. And it's in the absence of pain and the absence of sorrow. It's in a redeemed world. It, it, it's, it's in a place that you wonder, you're gonna get there one day, Christian and you're going to reflect back on your life and it's all going to make sense why there was always this little place inside of your spirit that was like I'm just uneasy I just, I just can't figure it out and you're going to get there one day and it's going to make sense because that was your body your spirit telling you this is not your home you were not made for this world you are made to be in relationship with your creator. We showed a video last week at our church of a girl named Nicole. And Nicole's story is unbelievable. And I'll, and I'll close with this idea. But Nicole is a 21-year-old girl who from about the age of 7 to about 18 spent her life uh, living with an abusive father uh, that had... Uh, the, the only way she got away from her father was the police came and got her. And she said this in her story. She said, 
I had grown to think that that level of treatment was normal. So what did I do when I was finally free? I chose a man that was just like my father. And she chose to live with this guy and they ended up moving to Alaska. And it wasn't before long that she realized I'm in the same pattern that the police saved me from. She said, I had a group of friends that came around me and they just bought me a one-way ticket home. And she said this in her story. She said, I lost everything and it was the greatest gift I've ever received in my life. She said, many people tried to tell me that I'm trash, but I love that God looked at me and said, if I'm trash, then I'm trash that's worth dumpster diving for. And she got it to the end of her video and the end of her testimony. And she just simply said this. She said, I know God is faithful and he does what he said he's going to do. You know, I love Nicole's story because Nicole has been to the pits of life, but still was able to understand I got a good shepherd. Regardless of where I go, how far I run, how lost I feel, I got a good shepherd that's still calling out and his invitation's still on the table. And it doesn't matter if I'm five feet or 5,000 miles away, I can start the walk home today and get right back in the presence of my shepherd. And I know that when I'm in his presence, there's only one way only this can end and that is in glory and thankfulness. Last thing, and then I'll start preaching over time. How many of you grew up in church? Okay, there's enough people in the room to understand this reference. I didn't, by the way, so I picked this up. You talk about there being one way only into the sheepfold and one way only following Jesus and one way only this ends. You know what's interesting? You know what Jesus prayed in the garden right before he was crucified? God, if there is any other way, if there's any other way, take this cup or take this punishment or take, take this task out of my hands. But in that same moment, his whole perspective shifted. He said, not my will, but yours. And he walked to the cross for you and for I. And he got up on there and he died and he resurrected, but come on, here is the part of the gospel that's left out. Not only did he die so that you and I didn't have to, not only was you raised defeating death, hell, and the grave for you and I, but he looks at his believers and he says, I'm coming back again. I will be back again. And between now and then, I'm gonna give you the greatest gift you could ever have in your life. And that is the gift of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he is going to be the one that's going to comfort. He's going to lead. He's going to guide. So every single day when you wake up, Christian, you don't have to wonder, where is my shepherd? You just have to get on your knees and say, Holy Spirit, the shepherd gave me a gift. And I can wake up, I can walk out and know my purpose, know my calling, know what I'm supposed to do today because that power of the Holy Spirit lives in me. So today I'm going to make my life matter. Because what Jesus says after verse 11 is he tells the religious leaders, he says, there are other sheep who are not of this fold. 
There's other sheep who are not in this fold yet, but one day there will be one gate, one sheepfold, one shepherd. In layman's terms, he's saying, one day there's gonna be more people that are gonna come into this family. And I can't leave a growing, power, powerful, spirit-filled church like this one without reminding you there's more sheep. There's a whole city. There's more people that need to be served, that need to be loved, that need to know that there is access into a sheepfold where they will be taken care of, they will be prayed for, they will be, they will be secure, they will find family, they will find relationship, but they just don't know it's there. But I believe there's a lot of sheep in here filled with the Holy Spirit that if we wake up tomorrow and realize that there is one way through the door behind the voice of the shepherd combating the schemes of the enemy, we can change this city for the glory of God. Does anybody believe that this morning? So I'm going to pray and I'm going to close. But I don't want to do that without giving somebody in here the opportunity to come back home to the shepherd. So if you would just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. And if you're in here today and maybe you know the voice, but you haven't heard it in a really long time. Maybe you've lived your life looking for other doors and you're realizing for the first time today that you knew the door, you knew the way home this whole time, but you were just not willing to walk through it. My invitation to you today is the same invitation that I believe Jesus is giving you today is to come home. Come back to him. And so if that's you today, I just want you in the quietness of your chair, just say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. God, thank you for dying the death that I deserve. Thank you for raising your body on the third day. Thank you for giving me life and power through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you change my life from this day on? If that's you today, I pray that you would pray that. Pray that. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your word and your encouragement, Lord. God, thank you for moving today. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Brendan a hand. Thank him. That was so good. So good.